See, oftentimes we see what we do in context of being one of the things that we do. This is my church. I go there. It starts at 1030. I want to be there on time. I want to get my right seat. I want to make sure I'm there. I want to beat the traffic. I want to make sure that I've timed it perfectly. For those who say I want to make a, a grand entrance, they make sure that they arrive 15 minutes in. But we have these things, and ultimately, we may not recognize how essential we are to the world. Because if light is going to come to darkness, someone has to be the light bearer. And if you can remember, Jesus already said we are the salt of the earth. We are to bear that light. Today, Pastor Martin's word is a good one. The title of the message is The Indispensable Body of Christ, coming from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Now let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. Geologists tell us that 71% of the earth is covered in water. Biologists tell us that all things living on the earth must have that water in order to survive. Chemists tell us that water is directly involved in many of the chemical reactions that help to uh, build and break down cells. Industrialists tell us that water is used for fabrication, petroleum refinement, production of chemical, food, and paper products. And we can see, based upon what we saw, what, we, what I just described for you, that in industry, water is an indispensable commodity. And has been used or is used every day in manufacturing and production all over the world. Now, just as water, the church is an indispensable part of God's plan to rectify the breach between mankind and he. God's plan to redeem mankind, the church is an indispensable part of that plan. Because as we understand that the church comes together and operates in order to fulfill the great plan and purpose for which Jesus Christ came, then we begin to understand why it is that the church is indispensable. Because here is something that is important for us to understand. That in order for God to complete his plan in the earth, he needs his church. Well, you say, Pastor, we thank God for our church. It's so nice to have this church. <laughs> However, Paul says, know ye not that you are God's church because you are the temple of the living God. And God wants to dwell in you. So we bring him with us each week that we come. So this indispensability of the church is critical because the entire church 
all of those whom God has redeemed is necessary for God to fulfill his great purpose. Now, when we talk about indispensable, it's important to understand that that term means whatever it is that you call indispensable, it is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. There are some synonyms that go along with that word. And here, listen to some of these synonyms. Uh, essential. We found that when the pandemic hit, the church wasn't on the list. Even the pet store that I go to to get fish food was open. But church wasn't essential. Here's another one. Uh, crucial. When something is indispensable, it is crucial to whatever it is attracted to or tied to. Here's another one. Uh, it is key or vital. The church, the body of Christ is vital to God's plan in the earth. Here's a couple more. The church is needed. Because as we look around and see how the world is changing, how things are happening so quickly around us that seem to be going further and further away from God, the church is needed more now than ever before. But here's one that you didn't expect. Required. Indispensable means something is required in order for great purpose to be completed or accomplished. There's a few key thoughts that I want to share this morning that I hope to inspire you today. The first thought that I want to share is that, as I've already stated in my opening, that the church is indispensable to God's great plan. It's important for us to understand because when Jesus says that I, upon this rock I will build my church, ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, those that he has set apart for a special purpose, he says, I'm going to be building my church made up of those individuals, men and women, boys and girls, who come to understand that God has a plan of salvation and it's only through his son, Jesus. It's important to understand that we think about being called out or set apart that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He says, I ultimately, in order to accomplish the, the mission that the Father has given me, in order to accomplish the great plan that my Father has, I'm going to need, need to build a church to do it. And then he says, I'm going to advance this mission. I'm going to advance the effort of my kingdom. If you go back and study history, you'll note that, 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 that the, the great conquerors of old, they would, they would have advancement parties where they would plan certain areas. They were going to advance their effort in order to expand their kingdom. And Jesus says, I'm going to expand my kingdom through my church because I'm going to give them a great commission to go out into the kingdom of darkness to bring light. So we see that the church is indispensable and essential to that which God would desire to do. 
However, it's important for us to recognize that we are essential. See, oftentimes, we see what we do in context of being one of the things that we do. This is my church. I go there. It starts at 1030. I want to be there on time. I want to get my right seat. I want to make sure I'm there. I want to beat the traffic. I want to make sure that I've timed it perfectly. For those who say I want to make a, a grand entrance, they make sure that they arrive 15 minutes in. It's always interesting because, you know, you, the, the same seats are here that were there last Sunday. But you come in, you're like, like, like the, the chair arrangement has been changed since last week. It's, you're going to the same spot. But we have these things, and ultimately, we may not recognize how essential we are to the world. Because if light is going to come to darkness... Someone has to be the light bearer. The church is that light bearer. The next, the, the next thought that I want to share with you this morning is that once we have come into this understanding of who God is, and once we have experience the grace of God's love through Jesus and now are walking in fellowship with him and now understand what we used to be versus who we are now, once we come into this place of understanding, one of the things that we should have is an attitude of gratitude. It's imperative that we have an attitude of gratitude as it relates to salvation. Hear this today. The church is made up of those who have received the free gift of salvation from God through his son, Jesus Christ, by faith. But just as Sir Isaac Newton said, he said, for every action, there's an equal or greater reaction. So the action of God having given or offered you salvation and accepted you into his family should prompt the reaction of gratitude. That I should respond by expressing my gratitude. When my wife told, when, when she said yes, although I thought I was, Rico, I thought I was special, you know, I thought she ought to be glad to get me. Although, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I'm like, hey, you know, you know what you, you're getting the whole package here, so you need to, <laughs> you need to, <laughs> you, better, you, better, you better ask somebody when I ask. When, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I pop this question, you better be prepared now because know what you got. All right. But I'm going to tell you, Minister Anthony, I was grateful she said yes. <laughs> because here's the thing. You come to Jesus knowing that you're already hot stuff. All right. But once you understand that the only way to God is through Jesus... 
And the only way to get to get through, get to Jesus is that you got to first acknowledge who he is. And then once you came to understand how little you could do to get to God, then you should say, wait a minute. I know I'm hot stuff, but I'm glad he said yes. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that she said yes. I still feel like I'm hot stuff, but I'm even more hot stuff. I got hot sauce on me now, you know. Because she said yes. Now, here's the thing. It's only when we truly come into that place of understanding how blessed we are to have God's grace applied to us and have salvation ours and heaven our expectation that we should come to one question, one very critical question, and that question is this, what shall I render unto God for all of his benefits towards me. Last week, we talked about goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives. We talked about how God has faithfully been keeping and watching over, superintending. We, we discussed the fact that God has designed us for forward movement that he has purpose for us to continue to press forward. Once we understand all of those things, it should bring us to one question. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? Now, if you ever get to that point, I hope you've gotten there. If you, if you, if you get to that point, where you're asking that question, God, what can I do? What, what can I render unto you for all that you've done? In order to answer that question, there's three areas of your life that you're going to have to wrestle with. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Say that with me. Time, time. talent, yeah. and treasure. And we know this because scripture helps us to see that. First, your time. God, Jesus deals with your time in his Sermon on the Mount. Because there he says in verse 33 of chapter 6, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. See, he says, spend your time making sure that your pursuit of the kingdom of God is Paramount. So your time, seek him first. How you use your time should encompass how God wants to use you. And what is he wanting to do in your life? Your talent, the scriptures also help us with that because in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the apostle Paul said, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Or he says, do all in the name of Jesus. That's going to help some of those cussing Christians we got out here because you can't cuss nobody out in Jesus' name. 
when you get done, you know, going back to your old way, because you're talented in, 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 in cutting somebody up, but when you get done, if you can't say, in Jesus' name, <laughs> because your time, your talent, your gift, whatever you do, he says, do it in Jesus' name. The last one, your treasure, he in that same Sermon on the Mount, he addresses that because he says in verse 22 of chapter 6, 21 of chapter 6, he says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. So anytime that we're trying to answer the question, Lord, what can I render unto you for all that you've done for me? It brings me to that point of wrestling with my time, my talent, and my treasure. So the third thought that I want to emphasize today is that it's just as the church is indispensable, sober thinking is also indispensable. Because one of the things that you'll find in this 12th chapter, in verse number three, before, as we read already, before we got into the gifts and being used and being served and serving, Paul stops and listen, let me just tell you, verse three says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He says, before we even start talking about you serving and using your gifts, your time, your talent, he says, make sure you think and write about it. But, but Paul cleverly sets verse 3 up because after you get through with verse 1 and 2, you recognize that mine is the final frontier. Okay, look at verse number 1. He said in verse number one, he says, be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Right? Verse number two, he says, and be ye transformed how? By the changing that mind. Because if your mind is not changed, when you start looking at your time, talent, and your treasure, you're going to think the same way you used to think. So the conclusion you come to will not lead you to what God is saying. So he says, first of all, recognize you're supposed to be a living sacrifice, meaning I give myself away so that you can use me. And then after you have made the decision that you're going to surrender all to Jesus, then he says, now the process of, of sanctification, that transforming through the mind of God reminding you, wait a minute, that's the old way. That's what you used to be. And then he says, now I say to you, by the grace given to me, not to think more highly of yourselves. Now, I know I need to straighten this out and help you with this because 
we're confident, proud, proud of what I've become and what I am and who I am. I think I'm supposed to think, you're supposed to think well of yourself. You're supposed to have self-love, self-care, self-appreciation, self-preservation. All of those are true. So he's not talking about self-love, self-appreciation, being proud of who you become. Now, I know sometimes some things we're not proud of, right? We all got some of those. Some stuff that you, you could say, hey, look, I ain't proud of that, don't. I'm going to tell my testimony, but I'm going I'm to generalize that. <laughs> you know, we used to have, old, we used to have uh, testimony service, and, and, and so it always, I used to cringe because, uh, so, so we have watch night service, Brother Rico. And so watch night service, for those who don't know, is you have a, the last service of the year starting around 10 o'clock and you, when the new year comes in, you're in church. I know somebody, somebody said, I ain't never been in church when the year came in. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I didn't even know when it came. I was, I, mean, I, was just, I was just out there. But we have watch night service. And so one particular night, a brother came. He had already, Brother Tim, he had already been to the party before he came to church. So he came and said, hey, Pastor. I said, oh, man, because what we'd like to do at the end of the service, we'd like to have a time of testimony. Look back over the year and, and say how God is blessed. He got up there and he was up there and he was rambling on and he had the mic and I was like, oh, Jesus, how do we do this decently and in order? But then he called Sister Marlene, another brother. He said, hey, this brother, me and him used to hang out. The brother looked around and said, oh, man. <laughs> he came up there, so he, he's standing up there, and the brother's looking at him like, what is this man getting ready to say? And then he strikes out in a made-up song. I don't look like what I've been through. He said, help me out, the brother said. <laughs> like, we, we ain't never practiced this. And I don't know the lyrics on this one. But then he started talking about some of their run around time and the brother's head dropped. He was like, oh boy. <laughs> and right about that time, I'd eased up there and I, got, I had my hand in his back and I had one hand reaching for the mic. I said, okay, brother, thank you, praise God. So you, you just basically tell us you had a good year this year, amen. <laughs> so some things we don't want to be told, right? So we understand that we do think well of ourselves. But I want to share with you Four things that will help you to understand when you're not thinking soberly in terms of what Paul is saying here. The first one, we're not thinking soberly or thinking, we're thinking more highly of ourselves when we think that we're too talented to give it away in service to others. The gifting that you have that God has deposited in you that, hey, listen, if somebody's going to get this, they're going to have to pay for it. So we're not thinking soberly because he's talking about serving. The next one, when we think that we're too busy to serve. And a byproduct of being too busy to serve is that we then assume that our time is more valuable than the time that the people who are serving that my time is too valuable to give that to Jesus. 
church want me to help, they're going to have to write a check. Not to get soberly because he talks about being used as a body. Another one, when our money is better invested in other places than the church, then when it comes to giving, we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the final one is when we devalue the gifts of others who serve. When we look around and we think about what others are doing and say, boy, they could, that could be done better if I was the one doing it. But you're not the one doing it. And if God has put that much of a burden on your heart, maybe he's calling you to do it. If it's keeping you up and you got to send an email to the pastor and, and let him know how better it can be, maybe oh, God is saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, you're the one that I have for that area. And then this is a bonus that's not necessarily thinking wrong, but I just want to ask the question, I want to pose a question, because then when we do find ourselves serving, somehow we've developed, and I just want to ask this question, where did we develop the concept or the principle that I only need to come to church if I'm serving? I was this week honestly searching scripture to see if maybe there was a foundation for that way of thinking, but I couldn't find anything. Because the church is a community. And so here's the thing. Paul, after this, introduces a motif of the body of Christ. And I want to ask one other question. So here's the thing. So I'm a, I have a body. And when I'm not using some part of that body, do I leave it at home? Anybody remember that movie, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? Yeah. If you're young, it's, it, was, it was a silly movie some time ago. But, but one of the things was interesting is that the, young, the guy was out, he was out, and he was looking for a lady. She looked good. She came walking up. And he was like, man, ooh, look at this. And so he got her back into, and so she, she, said, he, she said, I feel like I'm really connecting with you. you know, he, she, she felt so uncomfortable with him. And then she pulled off her hair. So I'm just tired of this. He was like, oh, he, she threw it at him. He said, oh. <laughs> then she said, and you like these? Uh, you like these? These ain't even real. And then, he was, then she, got, she, went, she went so far to take her leg off. He said, this ain't even my leg. He was like, oh, I've seen enough. Because ultimately, when we don't recognize the value of our being together in the body week after week, month after month, year after year, we're just like that because ultimately we're assuming that the part of the body that I am is not necessary because I'm not being used. Because if I'm not serving, it's my time to be fed to be nurtured and built up. Time to be restored so that I don't get burnt out. 
renewed in my sense of being a part of the family and the body of Christ. So Paul, as I said, after saying, make sure we're thinking right, he then introduces in verse 4, let's look at verse 4, the motif of the body, the body motif. He, he says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ. And then he says, individually, one member of another. That individually, one member of another means that he said that we need each other. We, we, we're connected, this body. See, I, I, I don't like my hands. I don't like my feet. I don't like my, my nose. I don't like my ears, but I don't get rid of them because I don't like them. They're part of me. See, when I was a kid, one of the first things that came in for me was teeth. And just so you know, there are no pictures of this on social media. <laughs> so I was this little kid, and so when you look at me today, I am, am, I am uh, Brother Thomas, I'm probably five to seven shades darker than I was as a kid. My mom actually thought I was albino except for the brown hair. So then, naturally, you got this little, almost transparent kid with big red lips and big teeth. Somebody back here said, that's my story, ooh. <laughs> it brought me, it took me back, Pastor. But all of those things made up who I was. And I couldn't take my teeth out. I know some of us do, but I, I couldn't take them out. They were in. Because they're a part of me. And I came to appreciate them because they were a part of my body. Why did I say all that? Because some folks, you might say, I don't, I don't prefer her. I don't prefer him. I'm not saying I don't love them, but I don't prefer them. But if they're a part of God's body, it's not for you to like the fact that God brought them into the body. It's for you to appreciate the fact that they're in the body. That's the key. Because watch this now. Paul says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I think is important for us to see. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. See, it's important for us to value and appreciate one another because it's in the context of seeing ourselves as a body that we value each part of the body. I want you to do something. Take your right finger, your index finger. And I want you, and please be careful because I'm going to actually do something that, that may hurt you, but you, if you go too quickly, take your right index finger and I want you to reach up and I want you to touch the very last eyelash that you have. Feel that? If you, if you were at the beautician yesterday, you may not feel it, but if you, but, but just trust, trust, trust that it's just, trust there's some feeling there. Now, here's what I want you to understand. From day to day, you're not worried about whether a lash fell off. You don't even know when it's gone. Uh -huh. 
But that lash serves two primary purposes. It is a sweep so that when the wind blows naturally, your body squints to bring those lashes together to protect that eyeball. But as you noted, when you touch it, you can feel it's a sensor. Because if you're not paying attention and something is coming towards that eye, when it hits that very last, very last lash, that lash tells that eyelid to close and protect that eye. And here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. That every part of the body is significant, even the eyelash, because at that moment that that eyelash is protecting that eye, it is the most important part of the body in the, at that moment. Something that seems to have no value has great value when it's serving its purpose. When you are doing the God-given thing that God has for you to do, at that moment, you're one of the most important parts of the body because you are fulfilling your purpose. It's important because a limited body has trouble. So some years ago, playing in a, in a, in a, in a pickup uh, league, a league game, what, where we're just playing basketball, and I'm going after a loose ball, and a guy got there, and he grabbed it, and he, and, he, and he bumped me. My arm kept going, and my, 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 my arm jumped out of place. My shoulder was dislocated. I want you to understand this now. So my shoulder is still connected to my body, but it's dislocated. It's out of place. It's not in its place. So what happened is I had to stop using that arm until I could get it, Brother Jerome, back in place. But what happened was during the time that it was out of place, the rest of my body suffered because I couldn't use that arm like I would normally use it. So, so I'm right-handed and I am right-hand dominant, so my right shoulder is out of joint, which means my right arm I can't use fully, which means my whole body is not able to do what it would normally do. What am I saying? That God is wanting for us to get from being dislocated to back in place and begin to function so that the body can do all it needs to do when it needs to do it and because we said forward we can only do all that God has a purpose for us to do when all parts of the body are in place that wraps up another awesome word if you're in need of prayer counsel or if we can assist in any way please don't hesitate to ask if you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.